Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Yes. Yes. God is a God of His Word. Hallelujah. And, and I just want to go ahead and give you a little note right now. Only the ones who want to be encouraged by God's Word, by His Spirit, and by His servant remain. If you don't want to be encouraged, just run out the door right now because I believe God's given me an encouraging Word. And believe it or not, I've met some folks that don't want an encouraging word. They, you know, but if that's you, you got to go, got to go, because this thing will get you stirred up. This thing will get you encouraged. And I pray moving in all that God has for you. Praise God. Hallelujah. I just keep hearing three words in my spirit. As I was praying and fasting and preparing for this message, I kept getting these three words over and over and over. And they were, get ready, get ready, get ready. Over and over. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. I said, Lord, Lord, get ready for what? He said, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. I said, what do you want me to get ready for? He said, tell my people. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. So I'm here tonight to deliver a word from the Lord to you. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Hallelujah. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. And let me tell you what. God says it is time that He's going to do something amazing in your life. Unprecedented is what He kept saying. Unprecedented. It's not going to be the repeat of something than you've seen before. He's going to do something fresh. He's going to do something new. He's going to do something powerful. He said this is a new season. This is a new day. There's a fresh anointing. Come on now. There is a fresh anointing that is flowing our way. It's a season of power. Holy Ghost power and a season of prosperity. It's a new season. And you go ahead and say it right now. It's coming to me. It's coming to me. Claim it right now because in everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under the heaven. And God said He has so set it up that in this season, this new season, He has something so special for us who will believe to receive. Hallelujah. I mean, so fitting for us to be right in the middle of the week of Sukkot as we are in this last and final feast of the seven feasts that God has given us that he said were feasts unto him. We, we even see here in uh, Colossians 2 and 17, it says these are a shadow of the things that were to come, the reality, however, that is found in Christ. Let me tell you what, Jesus has done everything necessary to bring the fulfillment of every good thing into our lives. Praise God. Just like He hung on that cross at Passover and He gave His life for us. Just like He took His sinless life and allowed it to be buried uh, that, as that unleavened bread. And on the third day to be that feast of first fruits fulfilled in our lives to come forth to say, you know what? There ain't no grave going to hold this body down. There ain't no grave going to hold this body down. It didn't hold him down. He's the first fruits of it. It's not going to hold you down either. If you happen to go and, and, and die before the Lord returns, let me tell you what. He said in the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ shall rise first. You get priority. You're going to rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, raptured to meet him in the air. Hallelujah. Then... That's the Feast of Trumpets. That is to bring the close of the, of the church age. The Bible says that the spirit of the Antichrist is with us even now. But the spirit of the Antichrist cannot 
get full manifestation, cannot get a full grip yet, cannot get full occupancy yet. Why? Because Jesus told His church that I don't want you to occupy till I come. Let me tell you why. And as long as the church is here, the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist doesn't have full control to do what he wants to do. And the more powerful the church is, the less powerful the Antichrist and its spirit is. And the less powerful the church is, the more powerful the spirit of the Antichrist is getting uh, the way uh, and the will of Satan done. So it's time for the church to realize our position, realize our power, realize our calling, realize our purpose, unite together in the name of Jesus, led by the Word of God, filled by the Spirit of God, and march triumphantly forward, advancing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Doesn't it make sense? Hallelujah. Feast of Pentecost, God sent His Holy Spirit, baptized us with power, filled us, not only the Holy Spirit with us, but the Holy Spirit in us now that we could be this church age, that we could advance His kingdom, that we could occupy till He comes. But then that Rosh Hashanah trumpet's going to sound one day and we're going to be caught up and meet the Lord in the air and then you're going to see those final fall feasts and their fulfillment and the second coming of Christ at the Feast of Atonement and then we're going to see even in this Feast of Sukkot or Tabernacles that we are celebrating this week from sunset this past Sunday till sunset this coming Sunday. So we're right smack dab in the middle of Tabernacles or Sukkot uh, representing the Messi- messianic kingdom age of our Christ who will be here. He was the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day in the wilderness and he led his people to the promised land. Let me tell you what, he's going to bring and usher in his kingdom just like he said. Amen. First time he came as a lion, this next time he's coming. I mean, first time he came as a lamb, this next time he's coming as a lion. And I'm telling you what, the enemy knows what's in store for him. So he is fighting his last fight and giving his last ditch effort. But let me tell you what, don't let that discourage you. So I want to encourage you tonight that the enemy's been working hard. I know he has. He's been trying to discourage you. He's been trying to depress you. He's been trying to show you the glass half empty. He's been trying to uh, put his finger on the joints that hurt and cause them to hurt even more in your body. He's caused that pain in the side, not, not, not your spouse, that pain in your literal side to intensify. The devil don't play fair. And I guarantee you during this Feast of Tabernacles, he has, as we are to remember the goodness of God, remember the healing of God, remember the presence of God, remember uh, his power, the enemy's been fighting extra hard. He usually does during the feast. There is a great intensity of which he comes at us with great fury. But the Lord sent his servant tonight to encourage you, to encourage you in your walk with the Lord, to cause your faith to rise up and be resuscitated if it needs to be. You may be even gasping for air. Well, I'm here to be the inhaler to open up the airways, to get the faith breath back in you, to get you through this feast in victory. Hallelujah. So if you feel like you're about ready to lose the battle of faith uh, and you don't know what to do, I want you to receive this word of encouragement tonight. I just want you to just say, Lord, I'm here not to judge it. I'm not here to parse it. I'm not here to uh, try and, uh, you know, Figure it out in every detail of my experience. Lord, if you got a word of encouragement, I'm just going to receive it. I'm going to receive it, Lord. Because the enemy, let me tell you what, he wants nothing more than to rob you of your hope. He's after your hope. And the reason being, Hebrews 11 and 1 tells us, now faith, this 
present tense faith that we have now, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. So if he can get your hope, then he's got your faith. If he can get your hope, he's got your faith. And without faith, we know it is impossible to please the Lord. So hope is the anticipating something good with great pleasure. And the tendency is in our human nature, when we come under attack, when we come uh, face to face with challenges and negative circumstances, if we're not careful and focused, we will lose our hope. It will rob us of our hope. And now faith has nothing to direct itself. So we need hope, anticipating something good with great pleasure. And I'm here to tell you, your God is a good, good God, and he's got great, great things planned for you. That's why he sent me here to tell you to get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Hallelujah. Amen. So we're going to be looking tonight at the Apostle Paul, this great man of faith, and he, by the Holy Spirit, has revealed to us how the enemy tries to defeat us. Uh, he, he tells us uh, in the scriptures in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, 9, he says we are hard pressed. We are troubled. This is what the devil does. He comes in to hard press us, not just on one side, not just on two sides, but every side. See, anybody ever felt like that? You're getting hit from every side. The enemy is just hitting you from every side. The people close to you ain't being what they're supposed to be. The folks that were against you are intensifying and coming at you greater than they used to. The things you didn't even know existed is now raising its head, and it's trying to get in its uh, voice in as well. Hard-pressed on every side. But Paul says, this great man of faith who fought the great fight of faith says, we will not be crushed. We will not be crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Hallelujah. And I know these verses in one way or another speak to all of us here today. And the reason being is because like Paul, we've all felt like at one time or another, and I believe especially during this feast season, that we're engaged in a battle with the forces of darkness and Satan does not play fair. He doesn't go to sleep at night and say, okay, let's just call a truce and do an eight hours and then we'll pick this thing back up at breakfast. No, he'll fight you through the midnight hour as well. Do you know what I'm talking about? So the Apostle Paul says, we'll be hard-pressed on every side, yet not distressed, not crushed is what that word is. Now, now being distressed is when the pressure and the stress on the outside gets on the inside. So here's what the Apostle Paul says. The enemy is trying to hard press you. He is trying to get the stress on the outside, on the inside of you. See, it's possible, and we all have to deal with stress and let stress come against us and us deal with stress, but not let it get in us. But let me tell you what, the enemy, as I said, don't play fair. And you can leave a back door open or you can leave a vulnerability spot there and he will do everything he can to get the stress on the inside of you. Because he knows if he can get it on the inside of you, he can cause you to crumble from within. And I'm here to come on the inside of you with the Word. And let the Word be the spotlight to examine and expose anything that the enemy's trying to bring in. And let the Word of God be the hammer to drive out. And let the Word of God be the river 
to wash out. And let the Word of God be the, uh, uh, the oil of heaven to anoint within you so that you are full of God's Word and God's Spirit from the inside out, driving out all of that stress. Because that stress's purpose to get in you is to crush you. And that, that word for crush is to be reduced to straight. That word crushed is to be squeezed. Anybody been feeling like you've been squeezed lately into a difficult and a narrow, confined place where it looks like there's no way out, where there's a loss of options and it just looks like doom is coming. That is what the enemy is trying to get stress in you to cause you to come to that place of being crushed where you backed in a corner. You're squeezed in a tight spot and there seems to be no way out. And then he says, we're, yet we're not crushed, so we're not you're not going to be stuck where there's no way out because our God is a way maker. Amen. We ought to say thank you, God, for being our way maker. means he'll make a way where there seems to be no way. Amen. Where it looks like there's no way out, God has already planned a way of escape for you. So don't you get your eyes on the devil, you get your eyes on the Lord, and he'll show you the way. And then Paul says that we are perplexed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Now that word perplexed is a, a, a kind of a unique Greek word that means uh, to be at loss with oneself. Okay? Not necessarily dementia or, or Alzheimer's where you don't know yourself, but where you are confused and you don't know which way to turn. You've you, you got so much coming against you that you, in your finances. You've got so much coming against you with health. You've got so much coming against you with relational challenges that, that you just don't know which way to turn. But Paul says that the enemy is trying to perplex you, but he says you will not be in despair. You're not going to come under the fruition of this thing in your life with the Spirit of God and walking in faith. And then he says we will not be in despair, which means to be left without hope. So that's why the enemy's after your hope. He's after your hope so he can get your faith so that you can't walk in the pleasure of God and, and then, let me tell you what, where are we going to be without faith? We've got to be a people of faith. See, faith doesn't say I'll never have trouble. Faith says trouble doesn't have me. Somebody needs to get that in your head right now. Faith doesn't say I'm, I, I'm never going to have trouble. But Jesus says as long as you're in this world, let me tell you what, there, there's going to be trouble coming against you, but be of good cheer. I've already overcome this world. There's a way out. There's a way over. There's a way through. Victory is yours in Christ. Amen. So faith doesn't say I'll never have trouble, but faith says trouble will never have me. It'll come at me one way, and it's got to flee seven ways. Faith doesn't say bad things never happen. No, faith says no matter what happens, I'm not giving up, I'm not giving out, I'm not giving in, I'm going to win in Jesus' name because my God has gone before me, the first fruits, to show me the way of victory, so victory is mine. Be encouraged. There's nothing the devil can do to you to defeat you as long as you keep your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and walk in the power of his spirit. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3 that in the last days there will be trouble. See, the devil's fighting against the things of God. Take your, take your rose-colored glasses off and look at the reality. The devil's trying to defeat us. The devil's trying to destroy us. The devil's trying to get us to give up faith. 
And 1 Timothy 4 and 1 says that in the latter days, there will be some that will depart from the faith. The Bible even tells us there will be those that depart from the faith. Don't get your eyes on them. You don't want to follow their way. You don't want to follow their path because there may be some that you know that give up the faith, but you better get your eyes off of man and keep your eyes on the Lord. Amen? Because the devil's trying to damage your faith. The devil's trying to challenge your faith. The devil's trying to unsettle your faith. He's trying to turn your faith to fear, and fear calls God a liar, but faith calls the devil a liar. And I want to raise up some people at Christian Embassy to call the devil a liar with boldness and call God the one that tells the truth. If God says it, it is done. It may not be manifested in my life yet, but I, my faith is moving towards that of his will being done in and through my life. Amen. So we cannot get our eyes on people around us, on the circumstances coming against us, because if we do, the enemy will defeat us. But God has provided a way for us to handle stress and a way to handle the trouble that is in this word. He says in Romans 12 and 3, he's given to each and every one of us a measure of faith, a faith that has the ability to, to give us strength to walk through the storms, to walk through the fiery furnaces, to walk through uh, the, the setbacks that the enemy brings against us out into victory every time. Hallelujah. See, there's no better way to walk out of stress than to simply believe God and walk by faith. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. You need to get up from here tonight. You need to walk by faith. There's no better way to learn how to deal with difficult people and you will be faced with difficult people in this world. There's no better way to deal with them than to simply believe God and walk by faith. There's no better way to deal with the problems and the setbacks and the circumstances that are less than favorable in our life than to simply believe God and walk by faith. Oh, what a simple message. But let me tell you what, it's a powerful, powerful principle if we will apply it to our lives. Let us believe God and walk by faith. In Mark 9, 23, Jesus said to this father that uh, was the father of this sick boy, he said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. I'm here to tell you tonight, the words of Jesus to you is if you can believe, if you can believe, all things, all things, somebody say that with me, all things are possible to him who believes. I'm here to stir up your belief tonight. I'm here to stir up your focus on your faith and let it be a now faith that you will say, God is with me. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Hallelujah. Because in these last days, the Bible says trouble will come, but the Bible says faith will come as well. We have, we have more faith to handle every bit of trouble that will ever come. We got more than enough faith. More than enough, all we've got to do is exercise it and use it. Amen. Jesus said the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That we know. But Jesus says, I've come to give life, life more abundantly. Which means every negative thing that Satan tries to bring into your life, Jesus has already provided more than enough positive in abundance. In abundance. 
not just enough to meet it head on and stop the negative, not to stop the stealing and killing and dis destruction the devil's trying to bring. Jesus says, what I've brought you will not only stop it, but overcome it. It's abundance. It's overflow. I want somebody to tap into that night tonight. I want you to tap into the abundance that Jesus has provided for you. There's an area in your life, maybe relational, maybe physical, maybe financial, but there's an area in your life, maybe even psychological, but let me tell you what, you need to usher in the abundance of Jesus. Uh, just right now, say, Jesus, bring your abundance in every area of my life. Let his abundance, let his abundance more than enough drive out all the forces of darkness, drive out all of the attacks of the enemy. Hallelujah. I want us to look in 1 Peter. I mean, we're going from Paul, we're going from Jesus, we're going to Peter. We're going to get a full round dose of the word tonight. Here's Peter writing to us, and he's showing us a pattern that will bring us through troubled times. A pattern or keys that I, you might, I might would say that bring us through troubled times. 1 Peter 1, 6, uh, 6 through 9. Yeah, you got it here. It says, in, in this... You greatly rejoice. Now that encourages me in the beginning that no matter what I know, I'm coming through this rejoicing. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. He is not uh, trying to negate the fact that Satan is not coming against us and bringing trials in our life. And he says, and the devil's trying to what? Just as Paul said that we opened up with, he's trying to come against your faith. He's trying to steal your hope and misdirect your faith. So here, that the genuine, uh, genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, be, may be found to praise, honor, glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you have loved. Okay, so here he's saying that the trials is trying to test your faith. But he says here something so important. Your faith is more valuable to you than gold. You think, if I just had more money, if I just had a bigger bank account or a better balance sheet, everything would be better. That's not what this says. The Bible says if you had more faith, let me tell you what, that can affect your balance sheet, that can affect your health, that can affect your relationships, that can affect every area in your life. Because you can have money, and let me tell you what, and the money can't solve all your problems. But faith, he's saying nothing is impossible to him who believes. So you are left without any question mark, without any doubt that anything you're ever faced with that God has not already provided a way of escape. You're not going to be crushed under it. You're not going to be uh, destroyed by it if you keep your faith in the things of the Lord. So your faith is being tested, and it's more precious than gold, he says. And that gold has to be tested by fire to cause its value to rise. And he says, but when you come through it, you're going to bring praise and honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Man, the revelation of that which you see him doing in and through your life is going to cause you to rejoice the more. Now, if you remember this feast of Sukkot right now that we're in the middle of, it's called the Feast of Joy. It was the first feast of that first Thanksgiving in America was held at Sukkot. It was the pilgrims there with great joy and thanksgiving, blessing the Lord, remembering what he had done so that their faith would be encouraged to face the things that were ahead of them. 
All of this that we know today in America was not here. They didn't know if they could survive another winter or another or summer. They didn't know, but they were trusting in the Lord. Well, I'm telling you what, all these hundreds of years later, we can say the hand of God and the prosperity of God has been upon the, our, us and our bloodline. And today, even though the devil has brought in every ugly and negative and nasty thing he could, let me tell you what, God is still giving the victory to those who trust in him. Hallelujah. So when your faith comes under fire, just say it's becoming more valuable because I'm going to use it. Oh, don't frantic, don't panic. When things happen, maybe, maybe even unprecedented things are happening to you, don't panic. Don't, don't throw in your faith. Don't use your words and start losing your confession and bringing curses rather than blessings. That's when you need to stand up under it and say, my Bible has taught me, my Holy Ghost from God has empowered me to stand up and say, my God will bring forth the victory. I'm going to hold on to you, Jesus. I'm going to follow your path. Hallelujah. So, again, what is on trial here? Your faith. Because the devil wants your faith to fail. That's why I'm coming alongside tonight to encourage somebody. The Lord was showing me there's, some, there's been some fiery darts. There's been some mean stuff coming at some of you. And I don't know your details, but I know what the Spirit of the Lord showed me. And, and the Lord said they're trying to get them to throw down their faith, to lose their faith, to, to begin to let fear come in and panic. He said, encourage them. Get ready, get ready. Don't give up. I've got greater things. This is a new season. This is a new day. Man, don't let the devil win and cause you to go back and circle the mountain for another year. No, let's go forward to the next level that God has for us. Hallelujah. Don't let your faith fail. Satan go, tells you, go ahead, put down your shield of faith. Go ahead, lay it down. You don't need, your arms are tired. You don't need to hold up that shield of faith. It doesn't work anymore. He'll try to steal your hope so that you give up and lay down your shield of faith. Let me tell you what, I'm here to encourage you, don't depart from the faith. Don't lay down your shield of faith. He said above all that we should take the shield of faith so that it can quench every fiery dart of the enemy. Hallelujah. So, here we're going to look at these keys to staying on top. I want to help push you and get you to the top. But you know what? I want to go help others get to the top. So you've got to learn how to stay on the top. You keep rolling down the hill. You know, I, I don't want to keep pushing you up the hill the rest of my life. I want to teach you how to stand and occupy until he comes and advance the kingdom of God. So here's some uh, key, uh, keys that Paul gives us straight from the Word of God by the Holy Spirit that we can implement tonight. And the first one is this. He says it right there. He says, In this you greatly rejoice through now, now for a little while. If need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, I don't know what's going on there, but though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise. I didn't do that with my voice, y'all. Somebody's playing with the sound system and they, they're trying to get my attention or something. But nonetheless, uh, just wanted y'all know I wasn't doing that. Okay, look at here. Whoa, no distraction. So, at the revelation of Christ. Verse 8. Whom having not seen, you love. I want to stop right there. Having not seen, you love. Y'all are at the wrong key. Uh, go to the next one. Uh, go to the next one. Keys to staying on top. Um, yeah, that next one. 
Yeah, the next one from that one. Maybe it's frozen. Maybe that's why my voice changed. There we go. No, no, no. Go back one. You went too far. Okay, there we go. There we go. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Sorry about that. They say, you're not sorry about that. Pastor, you drew attention to us. See, y'all don't know who's up there. So they're off the hook. I, lo- I don't even know who's up there, so you're off the hook. Don't take it personal. Praise God. We're going to get our faith focused here. So if you're not careful, when you don't see your miracle or it come in the timely manner that you thought, you'll tend to stop walking in love and you'll stop loving on people. You'll start acting nasty. Mm-hmm. Look at that person and say, he's talking about you. He ain't talking about me. You start acting nasty. I mean, whack, out of order, sideways, whatever you want to call it. And, and you say, church folks? Yes, church folks. Stop walking in love when things aren't going their way. You know you've been guilty before. You've been married and you got married and they say, how y'all going to make it? Oh, we're going to live on love. And then you got into that and that little cardboard box that was your table and that little, you know, a little, uh, well, I'll leave that one alone, but the little things you were surviving with don't seem so, so sweet anymore, don't seem so precious anymore after you've had a few of those, uh, you know what, uh, discussions, uh, interesting discussions. So if you're not careful, when you don't see it working out the way you want, you'll go, your flesh will call your attention to get back to acting in a way that you should not be acting. See, when the pressure is on, people tend to stop acting out of love. And the enemy knows that, so he brings the pressure on to get us to stop acting out of love, and and, and we begin to judge those who got their miracle. You ever ever had that tendency? Well, they must have done something wrong to... I know good and well. I, I know they got flaws worse than my flaws, but they got ahead of me. That ain't right. There's something wrong with them. And you start, God, you need to bring them down. Humble them, Lord, you know. And instead of praying and, and rejoicing with those who rejoice, you're trying to tear them down. I bet they got a spirit of manipulation on them. That's what it is uh, or whatever it is. You know, I know their hangups and they don't deserve it. I deserve it. Well, there's an abundance with Jesus. Why in the world you got to have theirs? There's more than enough for you, so stop hating. Stop hating. Instead of focusing on the negative, you need to look at the good news. Come on now. You need to look at it. Well, if they received it, God's no respecter of persons. I'm getting ready for mine now. Get ready, get ready, get ready. He's saying saying here, having not yet seen, you love anyway. He said, this is how you come through this. This is how you come out on top. This is how you walk in victory. Before you see it, oh, anybody can be all lovey-dovey when you got your windfall. Anybody, when you got what you wanted or desired and it even came more than what you desire, you're all happy. You're like, come on over. We got free. You ain't got to bring the food to eat. I'll pay for it all, you know. We get all good and lovey-dovey when it works out the way we wanted it to work out. But Paul said in order to walk by faith in this warfare that we're in and have the victory even in the midst of the battle, you got to love even when you can't see it. you gotta, you got to be loving at all times. And the reason being is that Galatians 5 and 6 says faith works through love. So you stop loving, then your faith is clogged up. Your faith don't work. I mean, you're cutting on the water and the hose is love, but if it's stopped up, 
or it's kinked, ain't no water coming out of it. Faith ain't coming out of it because you're not loving. Now, you didn't think the two were connected. You said, by God, me and God, we can have our own thing going. We can have and believe. I can have faith and I can give. Faith, faith, faith. I don't have to worry about how I treat my fellow man. I don't have to worry about how. No, that's not true. Faith works through love. So if you're having a faith issue, it's probably because you may be having some love issue that you got to deal with. Because love makes our faith work. So my faith just ain't working. You're like picking it up and just falling. Picking it up and just falling. My faith ain't working. Check on your love. See, the devil wants you to get mad. He wants you to get an attitude with others. He's always pointing out, you may walk into this room and there may be 995,000 things, I, I'm bragging, okay, that are good, okay, from the carpet, those comfortable seats, the spacing of the seats that you're not crammed up on each other. You know, I could go on and on and on. The temperature, it's not raining in here. I pastored a church called Christian Embassy where it used to rain inside. Okay, I know, I know where I've come from. So there's things we can look at very positive when we walk in here. But you look at that one little twitch of an eye of somebody that didn't even see you, but you think they gave you the, the eye, and now you all worked up, and you say, oh, I'll go over here and sit. I ain't even going to sit on that side of the church. I hypocrite. And they probably had a, a, you know, a hair in their eye, an eyelash in their eye, and they're trying to get it out, and you think they gave you the stink eye. Come on now. The devil, if you're not careful, he will always cause you to look at the negative rather than the positive. It just ain't, you know what? We've got uh, air-conditioned air in here, but I wish it was a little bit cooler. Or I wish it was a little bit warmer. These lights, thank God we got all these lights in here and electricity, but I wish it was a little brighter. Or I wish it was a little dimmer. You know what? If we just always, if you're not careful, the enemy will trick you in that. You've got to be careful. I, you would think you would never need to preach something like this, but all you got to do is hang around folks and say, Lord, they need a sermon like that. Oh, my goodness. Help me, Lord. I need a sermon like that. Okay? Because when you go around living with like a chip on your shoulders and trying to, you know, get over strife and stress that you've let people uh, impose on you, whether they meant to or not, let me tell you what. Because you get out of love, your faith does not work. Faith works through love. So the key to victoriously staying in love, even when you don't see God, is that you've got you've to look back, remind yourself. That's what this feast is all about. Remind yourself what he's done in the past. And what he's done in the past, he's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. God said, I want you to... He always... It's amazing. Read through the Old Testament, and you'll be absolutely amazed how many times God... How many times the prophets? How many times the patriarchs? I mean, how many times they all were referring back to Egypt? Referring back to Egypt. Said, remember Egypt. Remember the God who brought you out of Egypt. So God wants us to remember what he's done in the past to help fuel and encourage us to stay on the proper path and going forward. So this whole feast is about remembering so there are those even now that are literally uh, got booths that are set up on their balconies or outside. They're having their meals this week so that they can look through the open roof at the heavens and be reminded that they trusted God for those 40 years in the wilderness. They trusted Him with a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And they saw the manna fall and the rivers of water come out of the rocks. Oh, what a good guy. 
So you got to keep your eyes on the Lord. That's the key there. Always remember <clears throat> that love makes faith work. It causes our faith to have the hope that it needs, us not to give up on what God has said. Has God ever promised something to you that has not yet come to pass? Every one of us should say yes. Well, let me tell you what. God is not a man that he should lie. What God has said, he will do. And this may be this new season, maybe the very season that he's wanting to bring you into that, but we've got to be mature. We've got to <clears throat> be able to go into our inheritance. He says, even though you're a child of the inheritance, as long as you're a child, you're no better off than the servant. There's no transfer as long as you walk in immaturity. So let us mature and walk in love. Not the love that is a ooey-gooey feely. You know, the kind of love that uh, Harry and Ray still have after being married for 50, 58 years. They still got that ooey-gooey love. That's good. That's good. That's where Deacon and I got it, you know, as well. Praise the Lord. I'm sure some of you others do as well. But that, that's not what we're talking about. It's what causes the ooey-gooey is what we're talking about. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13. You know the verses, right? And though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. So you can have all the faith, all the hope, but yet that faith will not work without love. So as though I bestow all my good to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and but not have love, it profits me nothing. Your faith, no matter what your good works are, is not going to bring forth the manifest of victory if you don't walk in love. Now, what kind of love is he talking about? He says in verse 4, love suffers long and is kind. Love suffers long and is kind. You short-tempered folk need to hear the word of God. Yeah, yeah, the word, okay. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. Hear me, Christian brothers and sisters. It does not uh, behave rudely. Even if you are hangry, and that's hungry and angry at the same time, and you're in a restaurant, and they got your order wrong, and then they brought you, you know, a, a piece of uh, a salad, lettuce, rather than that big steak you ordered, it does not behave rudely. Oh my goodness, I've had too many people tell me I work in the Christian community in the Christian marketplace. And some people say, oh, I, I'm a Christian, but I don't want anybody to know I'm a Christian because some of the meanest customers I've ever had were Christians. You know, and I'm like, no, we've got to do a turn of that. We are to be the light of the world. We're to be the salt of the earth. We are not supposed to bring forth an image that is contrary to our God. Amen. So it says that uh, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. This love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. And the Bible says it endures all things. This love never fails. And the faith that will keep you on top, the faith that you need to move mountains, the faith that you need is to call in the power of God in a situation or a circumstance must work through love. Love makes faith work. So one of the keys that we have here is even though you're not seeing it happen yet, you got to keep on loving. You're not seeing it fulfilled. You're not seeing it manifest. You're not seeing it the breakthrough. you got to keep on loving. you got to keep on loving. 
And then Paul went on and he says, uh, we, whom we have not seen, you keep loving, though now you do not see him yet believing. So that next part is you got to keep on believing. So second key to staying on top is you got to keep on loving and you got to keep on believing. You can't give up. You can't let the devil rob you. I'm telling you, Thomas, remember Thomas? And he said, oh, if we could see and touch and feel the whole, yeah, we'll believe. And what did Jesus say? He says, more blessed is he who believes who has not yet seen than he who has to see to believe. God said there's a greater blessing for you if you'll believe without seeing. Some of you may be challenged today. I want to encourage you for the greater blessing. I want to encourage you to go for the greater blessing that you're going to believe God even though you hadn't seen it come to pass yet. You're going to believe God for your miracle even though you hadn't seen it manifest yet. You're going to believe God for the breakthrough even though you don't even see a crack in the wall yet. You're going to believe God for the promotion even though you feel like you're sinking. You're going to believe God without seeing. And he says, Jesus said, blessed are those who have not yet seen but yet believe. And he uses this word in the Greek, makarai. And Makarias means blessed, possessing the favor of God at the state of being so full that everything is overflowing. Hallelujah. So he's indicating here that we can partake of God's nature through faith in Christ, the blessing, the power, the provision, everything that is God's is ours to the overflow when we will believe without having to see. Oh, challenge yourself tonight. I don't have to see it yet, God, to believe you for it. I'm believing you for it. And this word makriatis is different from happy. You know, it didn't say happy. Happy is based on that, that, that root word hap, you know, things that are happening. We don't want to live our lives to be happy because, I mean, nothing wrong with being happy with good things happen, being happy. But let me tell you what, you want to be blessed, blessed. You have everything that God has in heaven provided for earth at your disposal. Blessed, wrapped in the favor of God, clothed in the favor of God. And he said, how do you get it? When you believe without having to see. Thomas, we're not going to wait until we can put our hands into the nail scars in his body and his side. No, we're going to believe him. We're going to believe everything God has said, even though we haven't seen it yet fulfilled. Keep believing even when you don't see. And then finally, a third tip I want to share with you. Right there from 1 Peter 1, 6, 7, 8, 9, he says there in that latter part of verse 8, and yet you've not seen it, but yet you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. That means you're going to rejoice. You're going to keep on rejoicing even though you hadn't seen it. You're going to keep on rejoicing. It comes from the Greek word kara, which literally means to jump with joy. So all this stuff, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, pastor said, yeah. No, I'm so happy. Hallelujah. And my happiness is not based on my happenings because I've got joy. And this joy comes from the Lord. This joy is my strength. This joy is an exuberance that God places in me. Some of you need, uh, you know, like they shock somebody that's, you know, in the hospital and they shock them, pow, to get their everything back in rhythm. Sometimes I believe the Holy Ghost needs to shock us and get us back in the rhythm because we're arrhythmic. We're not quite in rhythm rhythm with what God and I'm not talking about the music now I'm talking about man we should be so excited 
knowing the season we're in, knowing the word God has given us, knowing what the Spirit has provided, knowing that if we will just act in faith right now, exercise our faith in love, let that love of God flow through us, so it calls on our faith to reach out and bring the makriyas into our lives, the blessing, the favor, the manifest of the goodness of God and the fullness of God in and through our lives. Hallelujah. It means to be full of glory, nothing left untouched, nothing left, abundance, overflowing. See, faith is not about what you've done or believed in the past. It's what you believe now. It's a now faith, right? Now faith. Now faith. So let's, let's, you know, I know we all got stuff in the past. Some of it we can rejoice over. Some of it will steal our joy. But God wants you to look forward. And He wants you to go into this new year. And He wants you to, as we come through the close of this season and this feast of remembering the goodness of God, remembering the power of God, remembering the provision of God. Some of you before uh, 2019 passes may be challenged in an area of your life with something that you don't know of now that the enemy has constructed to try and rock you off your boat, get you off track. And this word is going to cause you to blaze right through it. You're going to blaze right through it. You're going to pierce through it like, like, like a, a sharpened iron rod. And this thing will not touch you. And you're going to come through it victoriously. Because you take what is a simple word, but a powerful word, and you employ it that you do it, hallelujah. So what does he say? He says to keep on loving, even though you hadn't seen the fulfillment of it yet, keep loving, keep believing, come on now, and keep rejoicing. Not some, not some smile rejoice, but a dancing rejoice, hallelujah. Glory to God. And in the end, you will receive what you're hoping for. So stay in love, keep believing, keep rejoicing, keep it up, church. And you can get on the top and stay on the top if you desire. And if you stop the process, let me tell you what, you're, you're going to find, you're going to come rolling down the hill over and over again. But you can stay on top of this hill. You can stay on top. Love those people that are unlovable. Not because they deserve it, but because this is how faith works. You do it for yourself. Do it for your family. Do it for your, your children your children's children. I'm just going to press through it because I know faith works through love. I'm going to rejoice in whatever circumstances. I'm not going to whine, cry. I'm not going to have a pity party. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to sulk in the corner. I'm going to come out rejoicing, saying, I know my God has already provided a way of escape. I'm coming through this thing. And what the enemy meant for evil, that thing's going to be turned for good. Hallelujah. I will receive the outcome of my faith because my faith will not perish. My faith will not be exhausted. My faith will not cease because this is what God has called me to. So I encourage you, church, as we wrap up these next few days of the Feast of Tabernacles, a feast that God says, oh, don't you forget. Don't you forget who I am. Don't you forget what I've done. And don't you forget for what I promised yet to do. Place your faith in me. I want to be a God of miracles for you. See, God is just by definition not God if he's not working miraculously because that's who he is. He is a God of miracles. He's a God of power. He's a God of great love. And he wants to manifest all three in and through your lives so that we can truly be the manifest of Jesus' prayer that he taught us of that Father's prayer, that, that heavenly prayer. For we can get the will of heaven 
and we can get God's uh, authority in heaven on earth as we would not only pray it, but walk it out every day. Keeps to stay on top, even when you can't see it. Keep loving, keep believing, and keep rejoicing. And this is probably the shortest preach sermon I've ever preached in this new building for the past years we've been in here. So you even got more to rejoice about tonight, if so inclined. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for preparing us. We thank you for challenging us. And we thank you for calling us back to where it really matters. Lord, we see your word. We see the truth of it. Your word has been a light and been shining a path under our, our feet. And Lord, we're going to walk in it now. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you that you've reminded us that we are not going to be overcome, but we will be the overcomers through Christ. Hallelujah. So, Lord God, with this word of encouragement tonight, we want to not only take it for ourselves, but we want to take it out of these four walls and we want to share it with our family and share it with our loved ones and share it with our co-workers and share it with those in the marketplace that we could be encouragers as well, spreading the fire of your gospel message throughout this world everywhere we go. Lord God, I pray that your hand of protection and your hand of anointing and your hand of purpose and power would be upon each and every person here now and even as we go that we would go in your grace that we would go in your glory that your glory may cover the earth as the waters cover the sea let that glory your glory be uh, shine in and through our lives that you have looked and you have saw you have planted us as oaks of righteousness for a display of your glory for a display of your favor lord god let us go and display it now to bring glory and honor and praise to you For it is in Jesus' name we pray.